though, today, gosh, I, I say this every time, and I, I swear to you, um, we've got a really special guest. He's a Super Bowl 50 champion. He's a 10-year veteran of the NFL, and he has a critical understanding of how successful teams function on and off the field. He uses this insight to help build business leaders up, create impacts, and push conversations beyond the norm. So welcome me, or welcome everyone, <laughs> to meeting Ryan Harris. Hello. Thank you, Kaylin. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be, we're going to have some fun today. And we were talking a little off air, and you know all about neurolinguistic programming. So when you had mentioned that, I mean, we're, we're going to have some fun. So what I want you to do is for the people who don't know much about your impressive career in the NFL, can you give us a little bit of backdrop about what your career was like? Yeah, uh, starts at, you know, st- you know, started playing football when I was 14, went to the University of Notre Dame, graduated with two degrees in three and a half years, and then got drafted by the Denver Broncos in 2007. Played four years there. They released me because I was ignorant, I was arrogant and unwilling. I uh, went to the Houston <laughs> Texans for two years, and then I came, and then I went to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I started 15 games for them, played in all 16. And after that, they said, Ryan, you don't have any football left. And I chose they were wrong and trained and got ready. And sure enough, my coach, Gary Kubiak from the Texans, was back with the Broncos, went back, won Super Bowl 50, and then finished my career uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So had a great, great career. And now I do broadcasting, got a sports show here in Denver, and uh, do the Notre Dame football broadcast as well as some Monday night football broadcasts and TV here in Denver for the sports stations. And that's it, right? <laughs> well, I, just, yeah, I got some real estate. And and, and, and as you mentioned, you know, uh, I'm a best-selling author. My book, Mindset for Mastery, available on Amazon, is uh, is something I'm very proud of. You know, 78% of NFL players are bankrupt and either chemically de- chemically dependent or divorced or all three just two years after they're done playing. So for me to um, to create my speaking and keynote career as well as broadcasting, uh, and, and becoming an author has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And you you talked, so I, my book came out in 2016. It was all the mindset of what it takes to truly win. And I interviewed like Boomer Esiason, uh, Larry Linney, like just so many great, great, impressive athletes in that book. And the one thing that every single athlete touched on is the reality that you will either have some kind of chemical dependency experience bankruptcy or the demise of your brand through not understanding financial literacy or have relationship hardships. I mean, from, from, we see athletes on TV and they're always so inspirational and aspirational. And then you strip it away. And when, when the career is over, it's, it's devastating what happens to their lives. Did you ever have a brush in with any of those? You know, I, I battled self-doubt my entire career. And, and the thing that people fail to realize with, with athletes is they're human beings, right? I mean, uh, all of us have been in a bad relationship or all of us have, have doubted our ability to succeed or or doubted what we were doing. I, I've been fortunate in that I had an experience in winning the Super Bowl where everything I believed about myself came true for other people. When I wear my Super Bowl ring with over 200 diamonds on it, you know I know how to work hard. You know I know how to be a teammate. You know I know how to win. And so being in an environment, even in the NFL, I mean, four of the teams I was on in my 10 years, they didn't care about winning. And for someone like me who really did, I was an outcast, you know. Uh, why are you reading books? Why are you practicing harder? Why are you staying out and uh, staying out on the practice field? And why aren't you coming out with us? And so 
there are all these external factors that can really impact you if you are not singularly focused and do not have a mindset to achieve what you want to accomplish. How did you know this is what you wanted to accomplish? Because I wanted to win. I, you know, football loved me first. You know, Kaylin, I was a chubby little kid when I was 14 and had been watching football and, and fortunate my grandfather had some tickets to the Vikings, so I got to go see them when I was young. But being a big kid, all of a sudden, it was good. I could protect someone. I could create a hole. I could make a disruption. And, and, but when I did, but I wanted to maximize, I wanted to win. That's the whole point to me, you know, of of playing or of, you know, I want to be the best father I can be. I don't want to be an average father. Mm. And so this, my whole mindset of maximizing and exceeding my potential is something I wanted to do at a very young age. And it took me a lot of bumps and bruises, nine different surgeries, three on my back alone to really, to really understand and, and, and believe in myself to the point where I could perform at the highest level in the biggest game uh, of the biggest stage in football. Where do you think self-doubt comes from? Because you touch on that in your book, right? Yeah. You know, I don't, honestly, I think a lot of it comes from, and I talk about this in my book too. Hey, when you have a mindset to succeed and to push boundaries and you learn new things and try new foods, you're going to scare the shit out of a lot of people who are comfortable where they are. And what do we do when we're terrified? What do we do when we think somebody's making us look bad? Well, we try and knock them down. And I didn't realize that early in the NFL. And, and even in college, I had some experiences that I look back now and I say, oh, they were just trying to make sure I wasn't better than them, which I already was. And for me, I mean, I'm from the Midwest, you know, humble, humble is, is where are you from? St. Paul, Minnesota, God's country, you know, shut up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm so, an Iowa girl. My fiance is a St. Paul guy. So that's so funny. Awesome. As you're saying that. He's awesome. All man. right. You know, and I almost went to Iowa. That was my first offer. Uh, and I love Kirk Ferentz and actually Kirk Ferentz, the, the coach of Iowa's football team, his son, James and I won Super Bowl 50 together. But I mean, you know, Kaylin, there, there are 1600 players in the NFL every year. Only 53 become champions. I mean, that is an incredible difference in numbers. And so it took me a while to realize that it's good to be different. And this is why I'm different. Yeah. And then I got to get put the ring on and now I can. And a little secret for you and your listeners, Kaylin, the, the offensive line, we got our middle, we got the ring size for our middle finger with Peyton Manning. So to so now we've got that, you know, we've got that nice little piece of conversation starter. And uh, and it was great to and it was great just for me to know that at 14, you know, at, at 8, 17, after I graduated high school, I was working out at eight in the morning running 18 400s, you know, and that mattered, you know, doing yoga throughout my career, even though I was the only black person or sometimes the only male in yoga before everybody, you know, jumped on board. It mattered. It helped me be better in my career. So knowing all those things now, it's easy to look back. But in those moments when you're trying to achieve, you're going to have a lot of a pe- lot of people around you in your same environment that do not want to achieve, that have achieved and don't want to push it any further and just maintain. And that's why uh, I think that self-doubt came, you know, why don't I have a bunch of friends? Well, because those guys want to go out Thursday and Friday nights before a Sunday game. I'm not doing that to play my best. You know, um, yeah. I'm reading a book to learn about what millionaires and wealthy people do. Why, you know, is it the millionaire next door? The millionaire next door was huge for me. You know? <laughs> huge. I mean, Kayla, when Such they talk that, that scene, when they talk about, you know, we got all this champagne and a sommelier to bring all this wine and no one was touching the food. And they went to one of the millionaires and they said, why aren't you eating? He says, listen, man, I drink two kinds of beer, 
Budweiser and free. You know, so this whole mentality, this what we see is often not what we want to be. And it's easy to fall in line. It's easy to go out on a Thursday, Friday night and say, yeah, I was there for that party versus, yeah, I was there to help us win. And um, and so I think, what you know, that self-doubt for me came because I didn't have a lot of people who recognized and appreciated my will to win until later in my career. Yeah, I mean, so for so all of my listeners, we, we call them sharks. Um, it's it's their thing. They, they wear that like a badge of honor. Love it. Sharks and sharks, sleep. what you need to know. Yeah, totally. And um, what they need to know is like, I picked you up off Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't know how great this interview would go. But I always think it's interesting. It's no coincidence when two people's paths cross, because it's exactly what you need to know in that moment. And your mind wouldn't have attracted you to that person if there wasn't a fundamental lesson here. And that's, that's really what I'm already getting from, you know, how, how quickly we've shared in these nine minutes is I, I hear the mindset of a champion, but I also hear something deeper. I hear the heart of a champion. Okay. So I'm hearing Super Bowl champion. I'm hearing you've got the ring. I'm hearing you've got it all figured out, but Ryan level with me. Was there ever a time when you didn't have all the right answers or you didn't know if things were going to work out and you kept going? Heck yeah. And multiple times, college, pros, high school, you know, but one time in particular, after my third back surgery, I went to the, back to the team facility, got checked out and they were like, Hey, how long till you can play? You think I said three and a half weeks. And so then I left there and, and then, you know, I said three and a half weeks is how quick I played after college. And I'm not a doctor, you know, I didn't know, you know, that you're supposed to take three to six months off after a back surgery. So by the time I got back to the hotel, which is attached to the Philadelphia airport, they had released me. My agent called me and literally, you know, I, I'd, I'd open the door to the hotel room and it was night out and the TV was on. It was just this dark, dingy room and none of it is where you wanted to be to receive this news. And I did not know. I didn't I, I did not know if I'd ever play football again. And in that moment, and I'm huge with my mindset. You know, I build it with I am, I can, I will. And, and I said to myself, I am going to make it back to the NFL. I can rehab. I can reach out to these people who have been with me my whole career and trained to recover. I will make it back to the NFL or I will do my best to make sure I can. And so I called some people up and I figured out, I built a plan in about an hour and about within an hour to go back to Minnesota, train and recover and rehab. And then fortunately I got, and I did the L, took the LSACs so out of football for about four months. And, and my whole identity was tied to football at this time. And to add that to the fact that I was, cash broke. I had investments, but I was cash broke after making $2.4 million in the NFL. And so what? I had a lot happening at that moment. And my best plan, the best thing I did was just created a plan. What can I do in the face of an obstacle? And I did all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think was the driver? Was there somebody or something that a thought even that you had where you're like, I, I'm not choosing that path? All the time. And that's and that's my biggest thing. When you choose your mindset, you choose to look at obstacles, failure, even success differently. And just because somebody says something or does something does not mean that you're done on your path. So I was not done writing my path and I couldn't have guessed how it went. Um, but this moment I'm talking about, that was four years before I won the Super Bowl. So there was still a lot of life to live. And it's tough to see that in those moments. It's tough to not give up, you know, and and uh, I've wanted to give up. I, every training camp, Kaylin, I, I said to myself, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to play unless I want to quit football during training camp. So, I mean, that was a constant. And just to be able to – and I'm fortunate that I had practice in overcoming things, you know. And so I was just so confident in my ability 
to create my future um, that I wouldn't be stopped. Explain that. First of all, give me some insight into what makes training camp difficult. And I realize that sounds like a rookie question, um, but there's there's listeners right now who are just too tired to work out in their house today, you know, yeah. and you're out there really putting your blood, sweat and tears onto that field. Um, and there's no guarantee, right? So we talk about entrepreneurship and some of the executives listening in. I mean, I, I'm privileged enough to know my audience pretty intimately. And some of them, you know, they, they don't know if they want to continue on with their businesses or their careers because there's no guarantee. And what you're saying is there is no guarantee, but it's what you put into the field that matters on how you do on game day. Can you tell me a little bit about what number one training camp is really like and, and the mindset of like, there's no guarantee you're going to win the Super Bowl despite how hard you're working? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, a great kind of great two pieces there. And, and just a, an example for training camp. One of the things that happens the first six days in the NFL is that you have to callous your forehead from getting hit in the head so much. I mean, think about that. What? I mean, you will have head head splitting headaches. You can barely put your head on the pillow. Uh, You'll wake up in the night if it hits it wrong. And then all of a sudden, you've just beaten your forehead into this place where it's resolved and become tough. So that's just one example of the first week in training camp and you're dead tired. You go from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. You know, you got eight o'clock practice, which is usually two and a half hours in the heat in pads. So at about 40 pounds and you've got grown men who have trained their whole lives using mental and physical warfare to try and take your money and take the money from your family. And and, you know, training camp usually lasts about 28 days. So where do you go on day seven? Where do you go on day 14? What do you do when you have a bad practice? You know, and and so these are all things that, you know, 14 days, 17 days into beating yourself up, callousing your forehead, your fingers don't work the same, your elbows hurt and you lose what type of day it is. Uh, You know, you've got to make some decisions and, and know why it is what you're doing. And regarding having a guarantee. I'm so glad I was able to play in the NFL because it's amazing to me how many people want a guarantee in life. I want to take yeah. this class or get my MBA to guarantee that I can get a higher salary. You don't know that. I mean, every single player who goes in the NFL draft has no idea where they're going to go. You're literally going to go anywhere from Buffalo to Los Angeles and everywhere in between. Like you have no answers. You have no guarantee. And for people who are looking for a guarantee that what they're doing is going to pay off, they're not doing what they love. I didn't care if it, I didn't care that I was I, I never get was guaranteed a, a world championship. But I'll tell you what, when you go against me, you're going to know that I want to win a championship by the way I punished you physically and mentally and how I would not tire because I was training myself in breathing techniques and flexible and yoga and I had recovered. So it's a whole mentality that, you you know, I never understand people wanting that safety net of. I'm going to do this and it's going to pay off. No, that's not how you succeed. That's not how you reach new heights. Because if I had told you, you know, when I was 14 that I wanted to go to the NFL, that would have only been a portion of my 10-year career. And guys guys fail in the NFL all the time and you see them. They, the rookies, they'll come in, they get the free sweatpants and free food and that's all they needed. That's all they needed to tell people they were in the NFL. Yeah. And then, so so you're, you're I can't, I didn't, Wow. Okay. Um, so many of this tactics, I, I had no clue. Right. And we talked before, I'm like, it's interesting how many professional athletes we've had in the show. And I, I just seem to attract them. And yet, unfortunately, I know very little about sports. So the concept of callousing your forehead, 
um, just absolutely blows my mind. Um, I, I I slept wrong on a pillow last night and I'm like, oh, my neck hurts. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of a baby. Um, I want to know about that moment when your forehead's callous, you're not sleeping, you're exhausted. The guys want to go out. You're like, no, I'm going to take yoga and I'm going to do flexibility training. And you're putting it all out there for absolutely no guarantee. What's the why? Like, what do you tell yourself to keep going? I want to be great. I'm not afraid to say I want to be great. I'm not afraid to say I want to win. I'm not afraid to say I don't care what you think about me. And so I want to be great. And you know what I got? You know, I'll give you a perfect example. When I was with the Eagles um, in training camp, our first day off, you know, we, we got some roommates. We're staying in a college dorm, which sucks, right? After you've been rich and you got a nice little bed at home. But in the first night off, all of these all these guys are getting dressed to go out. They're like, Harris, what are you doing? I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to order a pizza, watch a terrible movie on TBS or TNT, and I'm going to go the fuck to sleep, and I'm going to whoop your ass in two days. And sure enough, you know, cats came back at 5, 6 in the morning. Every first day off, somebody gets fired in the NFL because they do something stupid, and there I was, ready and recovered, and here is, you know, half the team detoxing. You know, you're at a decided disadvantage, so – I wanted to take I wanted to find my highest self in football and not just in football. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to be a great broadcaster. I I, I am a great broadcaster. I'm a great speaker. And and why, you know, while even while we're talking, though, I played football and you didn't know much about it. These are concepts that matter. This is why when I come in to speak, I'm talking about things that people really really kind of skate over a lot when people bring in speakers. No, no, no. We're going to talk about how I failed. We talk about failure less than we talk about sex, but here's how I failed. Here's what I did. And here's when I was bad. Here's when I needed an attitude adjustment. And this is what you can do at any stage of your life in any area of your life. You choose your mindset. You choose the team you want to be on. You choose how to engage with others and you choose if you want to be great or not. And if you don't want to be great, that's fine. Don't, don't be around me because I want to be great. Mm, I, yes, um, I'll take that. Uh, (laughs) My entire speaking business is built around sharing hospital life lessons and combining it with business entrepreneurial type lessons as well. And it's just so interesting to hear, you know, yeah, on on one hand, we're talking about football, but there's so much more to this than football. And I, I almost beg to say like, that's, that's partly why our paths crossed when it did. Because these are the lessons that we want people to get. And for me, about it was about a year ago where I, I always said, like, I want to be the best there is. And it's just unapologetic, yeah. unbridled enthusiasm towards this perfection of greatness or pursuit of greatness, if you will. I don't mean perfection of greatness. And, and that's what I hear. And unfortunately, for some people, it, it's off-putting. People, you know, they'd rather be embracing their mediocre, mediocrity than embracing what part of them wants to be this this epitome of success if you will and we always say you know what are the two dichotomies of what it is that you want to believe and the dichotomy could be good or bad right or wrong great or mediocre it's always a a dichotomy and all or nothing mentality and one thing that I love is you're so congruent on what greatness is where do you think your desire to be great came from oh man uh that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I always think about Because you know the, it's rare. 
You know, I, I don't know that it's rare. I mean, you know, you're in the hospital. We've, we've both been in the hospital. You know, are, aren't all the surgeons, you know, didn't they commit to greatness in health, you know? And, and, and I think it, it, I know it's rare to be in company with people who want to be great. And I, I thought just like you that, you know, this is different. You know, people treat you different if you want to be great, unless you're on a great team or surrounded with people who want to be great as well. I was normal on the team that we won Super Bowl 50 because every single person was doing everything they could to win a championship. You know, I mean, that's so until you're kind of around other sharks, to use your listeners term, you don't know you're a shark. Right. And so you're like, oh, hold on. We got the same fins. Hey, you like that fish, too. All right. Well, let's go. <laughs> you know, but I always you know, I just always you know, I was heavily influenced by by music. I listened to Tupac, Nas, Jay-Z, even Carlos Santana, you know, and and so to listen to musicians reach greatness, and, and there's a lyric in a Jay-Z song that he says, uh, is that not why we're here? He says, go further, go farther. If that's not why we are here, and if not, then why bother? Like, I'm not going to do something if I'm not going to be great at it. And I think that's one of the biggest differences with people who are experts and excellent in their field. They're not. Wor- I'm not working on being a quarterback, Kalen. I'm not a good quarterback. I'm an awesome offensive tackle. You know what I'm saying? So like this, I had, I had these visuals around me every day of like, I can't do that, but he can't do this, you know? So Mm -hmm. I wanted to be great at what I can do. I wanted, I I wanted to see where, how far I could go in football. And I'm a St. Paul kid who played football in London and, and traveled and lived in different places in the country. And I can relate to so many people and I didn't put limits on what I wanted to do. And oftentimes my, my big thing between people who are great and people who don't, who are maybe afraid to be great or don't want to succeed is you put limits on yourself. My wife, my my sister-in-law lives a mile and a half away. My wife went to to go see her in in this lockdown and have a social distance kind of conversation and and celebration. And she said, I'm going to ride my bike. And the first thing my sister-in-law said is, well, you're gonna have to ride it home. It's like, hold on, man. What kind of a mindset says, oh, if you do something, this could happen. You know, I, I had a family member who was a musician and he was and I was like, hey, you got to put your album on iTunes. He's like, well, if I get 150,000 downloads, then I got to pay for my beats. I'm like, what? Like, what are we searching for here? What? It's a mindset that's foreign to me. And so oftentimes yeah. when people, you know, when, when we talk about mindset and I, and I give the keys to building your mindset. People say, well, what if I can't even do that? I say, great, just stop limiting yourself. Stop limiting mm-hmm. what could happen. If you're going to take a test, why not think you could ace it? What choice do you have walking into that thing? And so limitations are the greatest and most tragic you know, um, prevention from your greatness. I, I couldn't agree with you more. We are... Uh... First of all, there's there's so many things you're saying, and you know this might be the world's longest episode for the show. Um, but what's really interesting to me is, uh, I, first of all, the the tagline of the show is "What do you want? Why don't you have it? And what's next if you have it already?" And there, it already presupposes that greatness is something that you should always be striving for. And the other side of that also is. I'll, I'll tell a quick experience share and then I'm going to get to the question, but I want to set this up perfectly. So I was, it was one of my very first keynotes and I, at the time had like platinum blonde hair. And my thing was like, I wanted to look like a dumb blonde because I'm not a dumb blonde. It's a, it's an incredibly intellectual thing. Um, but I wanted that fake. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was analyzing backstage a certain way in which my hands made the gesture. And I remembered one of the event 
planners coming up to me and just simply saying like, Kayla, nobody cares which gesture your hand is. And I remember thinking, but if I'm talking about being buried in the ground, I want to make enough of a thing that it shows the frail side of life and how likely it is that we could all be buried. And it was such a level of detail in how I put the words together and how the gestures match the words and how I, I wrote it out word for word. And then I memorized it. And then I memorized it to the point where I could forget it, where I could ad lib it as if it's memorized. And like that first speech took me easily six months of eight hours a day memorizing each perfectly antiquated message to make sure that it resonated. And what I found in that moment was even the people who had hired me to be there. And, you know, if they're listening, like I'm grateful for the opportunity, but they didn't want to be around greatness. Yeah. And that greatness, they were speakers also. So it was their event, but they also spoke. And there's this perceived notion of, you know, I don't want to be around greatness. So we're going to make fun of those who do decide to stay in and, you know, watch a mediocre movie and eat pizza because that's a that's an attitude that like it makes some people uncomfortable. Did you run into that? And how did you overcome it when your entire network at the time wanted wanted mediocrity? They didn't want to win. Yeah, I just I don't believe I don't believe in what other people say most of the time, especially if it's about me. And and that's the toughest thing to do, right? We're we inherit things, whether it's how we're raised or something that happened in the sixth grade, right? Or even, you know, your dedication in that story to the detail is a place that many people don't want to go. And listen, greatness is not, hey, I'm great, so I'm just gonna be great all the time. It is a journey, man. I mean my first practice in the NFL, I was in the shower afterwards and I was like, do I have to go tell them I can't play football anymore? Or are they going to find out? And I made the decision literally. I was like, well, I'm just going to let them find out, you know? And I, and it was because I just wasn't, my first practice in the NFL was nothing compared to my last practice in the NFL and nothing compared to my first practice that next week. And so it's not only, it's not only that you're willing to see and understand the importance of the details, you're willing to fight through failure, which so many people are not willing to do. And so for that reason, you know, you're going to meet people who, who want to see what you're talking about or want to see how you do it. And then what one the one thing we all do is we justify our own behavior, right? Well, I'm not going to speak like Kaylin because she's working too hard on this one speech. Well, you know, what? It, what I, that's not my problem. You know what I'm saying? So I just never cared if anybody has something to say. And and usually, and the good thing about football is I could usually go out and physically whoop their ass the next day. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So, I mean, one guy, one time, we had a walkthrough, which which for you, Kalen, and those who don't know football, is you literally <laughs> walk through the plays. You kind of jog through. You're not wearing pads. And this linebacker had a mouth guard in, right, something to protect your teeth when you hit your head. And he's flying around and trying to throw me on the ground. I'm like, all right, motherfucker. Like, we put these pads on tomorrow. I'm coming for your ass. And the next day, he sh- sure enough, we had a play. And I knew I was going to get him tight end screen. So they threw it to the bigger guy behind me. And I, he was just following me downfield. And I planted that dude three inches into the ground. And I told him, you can keep your mouth guard on and walk throughs if you want. You know? So I had these opportunities. But I recognize that doesn't happen for everybody outside of sports, but they do happen, whether it's not only just you killing that speech, which I'm sure you did, but also the continuous speeches after that didn't take six months. So there's all kinds of things when you're trying to be great and when you're focused on details, people don't want to go there and they don't want you to make them feel bad. So they're going to start trying to make you feel bad right away. Mm, 
So freaking good. Um, and yeah, I did cut that speech because I'm great also. Way to go. <laughs> Hell yeah, you are. Um, Hell you are. Hell yeah. Fun. This is fun. Ryan, as we wrap up, um, I always say, you know, we want these lengths to be a, a comfortable commute, but now people are commuting from their bedroom to their living room. So we're like, yeah. uh, what do we do with that? Um, as we wrap up, what do you tell that person who is either number one, intimidated by their greatness? Because if people only could believe that they were great, they could accomplish so much more. And they're looking around at their network being like, yeah, it's time to elevate. What do you tell that person? I'm going to tell you one of the best quotes that just made so much sense to me. And it was by a champion that whether you know sports or not, you better know the name Muhammad Ali. And listen to what he said. He said, I am the greatest. I called myself that before I knew I was. You do not have to believe in your greatness. You do not even have to know where you're going to be great. But each and every one of us has greatness within us. And you uncover it by choosing your mindset every day. Who are you? What do you want to do? And I choose my mindset with the words, I am, I can, I will. And when you speak, I am, you get to talk to yourself and be honest. And when you say the words, I can, you look at the opportunities in front of you instead of the past behind you. And you've already accelerated past people who are in the same situation as you. And when you say, I will do something, you are committing and the verbal commitment that you're making in your brain, as you know, will create that reality for you. So choose your mindset. And even if you do not believe in your greatness, just say it anyways and believe that what you're doing will make you great. Mm, so freaking good. How do they find you if they want more of this? Hey, you know, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Ryan Harris. I'm there and, and I have my company page, Ryan Harris speaking, uh, RyanHarris68.com. You can join the newsletter. I'm also on Instagram at Ryan Harris underscore 68 and Twitter at Salams underscore from underscore 68. Or you can just search Ryan Harris and tune in on the Notre Dame football broadcast on weekends. Hopefully we have a season here this year and uh, you'll hear me having fun and telling you about what you can't see while I'm watching the game. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you for, for joining us today at Beacon of inspiration. I was going to take a nap because, you know, I slept wrong on my pillow. So I got all these excuses and something tells me nap time's no longer allowed. So just what I needed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, Kaylin. Hey, naps can help 15 to 45 minutes, but hey, when you wake up, you can do what you want to do. Beautiful. All right, Sharks, you heard the man. Get back to it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>